we bucked heads a lot and didn't realize why we were bucking heads. I'll bet we were married. I bet our kids were out of the house by the time we realized, you know, Peg, you don't put margin in your life. You, you schedule everything so close together. And it was a realization when we could finally identify it. Because sometimes I think as a couple, you fight over things and you conflict over things or you get uncomfortable or you're always bickering at this certain time and you haven't, you're, you're, you're trying to address the symptoms, but you haven't worked down to where the root of the problem is. Are you ready to open the door to more romance, fun, and adventure? Or maybe it's compassion, support, and strength you're looking for. Discover real-life stories and a path to overcome the pitfalls every marriage encounters. Welcome to The Extraordinary Marriage. Hi, I'm Connie, and I have a treat for you today. We are welcoming speaker Peg Arnold. Now, she is a self-professed drama queen for Jesus. She says she encourages women to embrace their God-given purpose through sharing her joys and challenges as a wife, a mother, a nana, a sister, a friend, a teacher, a counselor, and a church leader. Welcome, Peg. Well, thank you for be for allowing me to be here, Connie. It's really exciting to share this time with you. Well, you know, I find there are so many different stories when it comes to marriage, and I've watched a little bit of what you do online, and I uh -oh. saw that you're a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put say my characters are a lot of fun. That's why I say a drama queen for Jesus. You never know what's going to pop out of their mouths when they put on those hats and those coats. Well, you know, Peg, whenever uh, earlier this morning, I had done a, a quick little reel on confidence and, you know, what you do either requires a lot of confidence or it requires you to go to another place because um, I used to be like kind of shy about doing stuff. And, and now here I am too, out in front of everybody. But I think it becomes more about what you can give the other person and, and what it means to them. And so you just kind of have to forget yourself and go for it and have a good time. Right. Absolutely. I'll tell you when, when the Lord first gave me a couple of these characters to do in a talk, it was, it was this argument, like really God, I, you want me to put on a wig and glasses and act <laughs> and say those things. And I kind of, you know, pushed back and I, and but he said, yes, if you are obedient, I will bless it. And I thought it was for a one-time event. And I had others see it. And my father, who was a pastor, uh, saw one of my practices. And he said, oh, Peg, God is going to do things you can't imagine through these characters. And it just kind of caught me off, you know, it was almost a prophecy from my dad. But as they have grown and as I have grown with the characters and, you know, you said it takes confidence, but it took trust in God, trust it, that he was the creator, he was the designer, and he was the equipper for me to utilize and be his vessel through these characters. So, um, yeah, when God asks you to go out, he gives you, you know, he doesn't give you the full location, 
but he walks with you and he and equips you for that journey. And that's where I feel like I've been through all the facets of my life. God going with me and equipping me. And it's like once you give in and just like you, I've done that too, where you're like, uh, there's been instances where maybe I had to go to talk to somebody that I didn't feel that comfortable talking to them about something. And I was like, why me? But you know, once we step out of that comfort zone, God stretches us little by little, and it's not as hard as we think it is. And honestly, we end up having a lot of fun along the way. We do. We do. And But I do have to warn that we have to protect ourselves from the voice of the enemy that comes in and said, oh, you can't do that. Oh, yes. people are going to think that's stupid. And I have had to really wrestle with that and have God just, you know, God, take this voice away because I know it's not from you because my confidence comes from you. My gift comes from you and I am your vessel. You know, what? we don't think about this, but, you know, movie stars, we just look mm -hmm. at them on TV and they're just so wonderful and great. They're wonderful and great because they got past themselves or they would never be able to do what they do. Absolutely. So you're Absolutely. a movie star, Peg. Oh, I, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't put myself out there like that. <laughs> You're a movie star. That's why I just say drama queen for Jesus. Drama queen for Jesus. I like that. Okay, so share with us. I know you're in Colorado, but mm -hmm. share with us a little bit about your, you know, how many years you've been married, your kids, and a little bit about your journey. Okay. Um, well, kind of Reader's Digest condensed version. Um, I grew up in Michigan as a pastor's kid, one of five kids. And met my um, met my husband in college at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and we were RAs in the same dorm. And neither of us were looking for a relationship, and God just kind of brought us together. We got married right after college and moved to Maryland, which was a huge move for us. But in Maryland, we were there for forty years. We had our careers out there. We raised our family. I started my ministry out there. And then uh, about, I guess, nine or 10 years ago now, our kids started moving from the East Coast. First, I have two kids, two adult children. First, my daughter and her family moved to Colorado. Next, my son and his wife moved to Colorado. And my husband and I were looking at ourselves going, now we're alone here on the East Coast with our kids and grandkids in Colorado. And I fought the I fought the voice that said, yes, I want you to move to Colorado. And finally, God kind of made it clear to me on a walk. What makes you think I don't have things prepared for you in Colorado? And so my husband and I found ourselves packing up a house of 32 years. Wow. And so there's a whole God story with that and all the cleaning out and goodbyes that you have, the deep roots of friendships for 40 years uh, and moving to Colorado. And it has been, God has been in charge of that journey. It's been an adventure for our marriage. Uh, we have now been married 46 years. It'll be 47 in in April and our two grown children, my daughter has three children, twins that are 12 and a soon to be eight year old. And then uh, my son has four children, a nine year old, a five year old, a two year old and a three month old. So we 
we feel like God has brought us to this area to have this family time, but it also has given us um, a different season in our marriage as well, because we're not in, we're not stressed by our careers. And I don't say that we're retired, Connie, we are repurposed. Mm. So I will not give in to the word retirement. So we are repurposed. I had a ministry going while I was working full-time as a counselor in the school system. I was a teacher and counselor for over 25 years in the school system. And, uh, and I had a ministry simultaneously, but now God has opened the door to be in this ministry, both as a speaker and open the door to be an author now. And of course, continuing my drama queen for Jesus. Hey, what I hear from you is that you were asked to step out of your comfort zone again. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, Peg, there's I, something about newness and being refreshed um, and after being married that many years, cause I've been married for 44, it's like, okay, it's like you need something new and refreshing and new purpose, new direction. And it's like, it makes you brand new again. Plus you bring that along all that wisdom, all those experiences and everything that you have. And I think you're just better than ever. Yeah, I, I, I agree to, it, it is never easy to step out of our comfort zone. But I had that verse of Joshua 1, 9, you know, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord is with you wherever you go. That was my guiding verse as I stepped into this new territory. And you're right. It, there's a there's a freshness. You're nervous because everything's changing. Every Your identity changes because uh, people don't know you out here. There's no, you know, when you move, after you've had your kids and your kids are grown, you don't have a school system that you're connecting with other parents. You don't have those venues, a workplace where I'm connecting with other people. It's like, okay, who do you want me? You know, how do you want me to develop who I am and my husband and myself as a couple? How do you want us to grow in this new area, in this new setting? And there is, it's a freeing, it's a refreshment. Um, it's also learning, you know, fighting those negative voices and not wanting to pick up old patterns that you were hoping to leave behind. Well, you know, you really get a chance to kind of recreate yourself whenever you step out and that kind of thing. And maybe somebody who's listening today is having to move their family. Um, mm. um, whenever I was a kid, actually, I'm from North Carolina, and my dad moved to California when I was eight years old. And, you know, I remember certain great adventures, you know, at eight years old. But when we moved to Georgia, whenever I was a sophomore in high school, I thought my life was over. <laughs> I oh, thought absolutely. Yeah, it's over. I'm going to die because <laughs> you know, I had to move and leave all my friends. And so that that's really a hard thing sometimes. But so, Peg, as you dig back into all those awesome years of marriage, we all have our ups and our downs. We have our moods, mm -hmm. our happy places, our challenges. You know, um, what do you think makes a marriage work for so many years? Mm. One of the things is, uh, you know, we we were always looking to grow in our marriage. Uh, we started as RAs and our RA uh, leader actually equipped us with communication skills to be RAs. 
But what was so wonderful about that is as we can, came together for a as a couple, we already learned these communication skills of being reflective listening, you know, really listening to understand the other person and being able to be empathetic. We had learned that to be an RA, but we brought that into our relationship. So number one thing I'd say is those communication skills are foundational. And we all bring in our different ways of communicating. Even at 46 years, my husband will say something and I'll respond to it. I might bite back to it. And he said, whoa. And I said, well, I heard you say it like this. And he said, well, this is what I meant when I said it. And so rather than staying in that moment of frustration, but dig down immediately so we're not carrying that frustration and that um, aggravation with our spouse. It's learning to love our spouse where they're at and, and how do we have to communicate differently with them. Uh, one of the biggest lessons I think we have learned is to see our spouse as a child of God mm. and to treat them because God loves them as much as he loves us. And I think in marriages, especially as you get ingrained and in, well, they should know that. And we get very egotistical and very kind of self-centered rather than being partner-centered. And God wants us and we are, oh, we are centered on loving others when we're outside of our, our household, you know, in our church. We are showing all those gifts of love, joy, peace and, and patience with others. And we get inside the door and all of a sudden we expect our spouse to read our mind and our spouse to you know tend to our needs and so if we can have that sacrificial love for our spouse which is not something you say oh i'm gonna do it and it becomes okay it's something you renew every day it's something that you wake up every morning and say i want to love you how god loves you how god wants me to love you i want to communicate with you the way God wants me to communicate. I want to build you up so that you're the best you can be and not just look for you to fill my selfish needs. You know, um, and I think, go ahead. Communication is really like a, a building a muscle and it's mm, practicing absolutely. and practicing and practicing, making your marriage what you want it to be and becoming proactive instead of reactive. So mm -hmm. often we if we're not proactive, learning to be a better listener or aware, just like you said, of, of being a good listener, um, all couples don't think about growth, personal growth. It's like his mm -hmm. uh, marriage is a destination. We get married and we're there. We think it's all supposed to roll along like a, a well-oiled machine. But the truth is, is that we have to be paying attention and you really hit upon it when you talked about listening, because if there was one thing that we could do, it would be listening. And I have to say, I'm a bit of a talker. And so I do listen, but I have learned through the years that I have to purposely listen. And it's kind of like that teenager, you know, whenever you talk to a teenager and they're not looking at you, you know, you know, they're not really yep, listening. Yep. And yeah. so it's practicing literally looking at the person and listening, nodding your head, affirming them as they talk. And a lot of times we're thinking about the next thing we're going to say, because some of our minds work so fast. 
<laughs> some people are yeah. really methodical and they kind of process slowly, but some of us are fast-minded and our minds are just going zoom, 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 right? While somebody's talking Absolutely. and uh, we're thinking about the next thing, but learning to be a great listener and uh, personal growth and paying attention. And I call it listening. When you really listen, you are listening to respond, not listening to react. Ooh. You know, when we Ooh, listen yeah. to react, we're we're not really listening. We're thinking, oh, I can tell them about this. Oh, I should tell them about this. Whereas if we're responding, we're looking at their eyes. We are engaged in them. We're not off on a on a device over here oh. going, uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, yeah. uh-huh. Um, it's cultivating those skills of listening uh, in in ourselves. So then that's what we want others to do to us. So we want to we want to represent the type of listener we want our spouse to be. Mm. Yeah, we don't really think of it that way of uh, being what we want them to be, right? Uh, right. First, yeah, first doing that ourselves. So, you know, you had told me um, that you had a cute little marriage story. Oh, so this probably happened uh, now almost almost 20 years ago. Uh, my husband was really nice and got me this little sports car for uh, one of my big birthdays. Mm. And so we were riding around with the top down and it was kind of one of those first spring days where it was really warm and it was, it was in the middle. I'd just gotten home from work and he said, it's a great day. Let's go out for a ride in the country. So we're riding all these country roads and I'm just laying back enjoying, you know, this time together, the breeze in our head, in our faces and my husband is driving on the road because it's pretty curvy. And we go by Keppel farmhouses and we go by this one farmhouse. And my husband said, huh, did you see those ducks? And I looked and I said, what do you mean those ducks? I saw those chickens. And he said, no, no, I'm talking about the mother duck with the three little ducklings playing in the water. And I said, no, I saw the mother hen with the three little chicks you know, playing. And he said, honey, he had an orange bill. I said, they did not. They had a red crest. We went back and forth bantering that he didn't see ducks. I thought, you know, it was chickens. And he, we were both ingrained in what our opinion was. We probably got two, two miles down the road. And he says, I'm turning back. Because I'm going to show you that those are ducks. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to show you that those were chickens. So we turned back and we're both, I'm, we're pretty aggravated with each other right now because we feel like neither of us is listening to each other. And we pull up to this farmhouse and I look up and I point, I said, those are chickens. Well, remember, I am looking at the, at, at the landscape. He is focused on the on the ground and on the street. And in next to the street, there's a little gully. And he said, those are ducks. So we're pointing like this in the same yard, a mother hen and three chicks and a mother duck and three ducklings playing together. You're both we, right. 
We are both right. <laughs> we pull off into the into the driveway and we laughed and laughed because we realized I, we looked at each other and said, "Oh my gosh, this is marriage communication 101. How many times do we get at a standstill?" And we're probably both right, but we're trying to convince each other to see it from our perspective. You know, we know that we're very different. My husband's left-handed, I'm right-handed. That gives us differences right there, different love languages, different personalities. So we always come in with different perspectives. And so for the last, I mean, for the last 20 years, we have been able to look at each other and we say, um, you know, we'll, we'll argue and argue. And then finally I'll look and I said, I think it's a chicken. And he says, I think it's a duck. I said, <laughs> so there is no more going by. We're both right. So it's literally become a joke between you because here and, you went back and proved the idea that you were absolutely. both right. You were just looking at different things. Yeah, you know absolutely. what? I find that my husband and I are, um, he is much more detailed and I don't even see the details. Sometimes I see right past whatever it is. And I see colors. I see beauty. Um, I might not see something right in front of me. And so we we do the same thing where we literally just laugh about it a lot of times. But the thing, Peg, is that so many couples assume they're looking mm -hmm. at things the mm -hmm. same way. They assume their spouse is thinking the same way that they do. Absolutely. And that alone can get people in trouble so many, many times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we don't have exactly that story, but we've done the same kind of thing where uh, even just lately we'd be like, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where did this start? Like, yeah. What are we, what are we getting all heated up here for? We're having this right, passionate right. discussion and it's not even important. It is nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that mm -hmm. happens way too often, uh, not looking at each other's perspectives. I think you use that word too, perspective, how we look at things, right? Right, right. But, but to be able to gain that knowledge about your spouse, you have to have those conversations, you know, whether it's going through and finding finding the different love languages and understanding the different love language or your conflict styles or your backgrounds. Uh, you know, there's so many places that we can find our personality style. When you find that about your spouse, it helps you to learn how they look at things differently than you. And, and then that opens it up for discussion. The, the one thing when we and I'm going to use the word bicker with our spouse and disagree with our spouse over yes. little things. We forget this is the person we love the most. I don't want to put them down. I I want to build them up and, um, and I want them to build me up too. So it's being able to discuss those differences and then how can we better live with those? So what are some changes we might need to make? One of those examples in our marriage is, my husband is kind of detail oriented like yours. Thank I'm goodness, right? Oriented. Yeah. Oh, good. It is. <laughs> and but he also is a he has this uncanny ability to see a task to the end and see the danger places in the middle. And many times as I'm doing something in the kitchen, 
I am doing it differently than he might do it. And he sees a danger to what I am doing. He sees a possible danger. And so he wants to come over and say, well, honey, if you do it this way, it, and you know, none of us like to be corrected like that. And I've so done it this way for a long time yeah, here. Yeah, I've done it this <laughs> way for a long time and I'm successful. So finally, I, and and I find you can't discuss it in the heat of the moment. I find that I have to log it away. And then we have what we call our hot tub time. We spend time in the hot tub where we pray, we talk, and that's where we have some of the hard conversations. Like, honey, can I talk to you about this? And and I said, you know, when you come in and switch me over, I know that you see a better end product, but if I'm going to learn that there's a mistake in how I'm doing it, I'm not gonna learn by you circumventing and taking me to the end product. And so he said, it, it was kind of, it was an aha moment for him like wow i never thought i was doing that but it was an aha moment to let me kind of do it my way and then find out if if it was going to get me into danger or if it was going to be not as efficient um but there's a lot of times that something will happen uh the way we communicate with each other humor is another thing we all interpret humor differently in a marriage and it's important if you feel your spouse's humor is, is not building you up, but you feel more the butt of a joke. Mm -hmm. It's important for you to say that to them, but you don't want to say it in front of everybody. Right. Um, and so that's a conversation you have later. Um, my brother, my husband grew up with five boys. You know, how did you love each other? You loved each other by making them the butt of the joke. And the bigger the joke, the more you loved them. <laughs> and I had to kind of say, I, I'm I'm your wife. I'm a tender sex. You know, I, I don't like being the butt of the joke. You know, And so it's been a learning process, but it's been me expressing that rather than harboring like, I can't believe he made me look like that in front of everybody. It's it's taking that and then saying, okay, logging it, I need to talk to him about this. And then we have carved out this time. And I think in every season of marriage, whether you have little kids, whether you are those busy times carpooling back and forth, whether you're at the high school and getting into the empty nest, every marriage needs to find, you know, for us, it's hot tub time, those 15 minutes, it doesn't have to be a long time, but those 15 minutes where you say, this is mom and dad's time. And we set a timer, uh, have a visual for the kids to kind of leave you alone. This is our time to talk and to have that time to touch base with each other on, on what, you know, what you're thinking. What are some of the things that you want to discuss with each other? On and purpose, what are some right? problem solved things that you can problem solve at that time. Well, on purpose, uh, you do that and it's, and it's doing that mm -hmm. on purpose. And going back to humor, literally when you think about personality styles, some people can laugh at themselves. I'm one of those, whenever I do something stupid, and now maybe I'm laughing because I'm really embarrassed, but you know, I'm going to laugh at myself. So my tendency is that if somebody else does something crazy, stupid, that, that I do just 
totally get tickled. But I know one of my friends has been, um, I was in a situation and I got so tickled at something. Honestly, there again, because I was nervous, I got tickled at it. But actually, then they were mad, you know, because they were mm. feeling something different than I was feeling at that time. And uh, it's like you said, if we feel like we're uh, being laughed at and uh, torn down or whatever, or some people simply can laugh at jokes, can laugh at themselves, can laugh at stupid things that happen. And other people have that tendency to get mad. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's one of the top emotions. Some people have that top emotion. That's how they deal with most everything is they get angry. And then mm -hmm. we kind of take it personal if they get angry um, but it's really not personal. It's just how they deal with life. Just like I deal with things by getting tickled or laughing at a situation instead, whether it's embarrassment or whether it's really funny, you know, whatever. Yeah. But what I hear from you is that you guys have taken the time to think about and learn. And that might have to do with what you actually do too and where you're at in life. I think when we're raising mm -hmm. our kids, um, often we're just making it strumming along, making it each day. Um, I've had people say to me, um, oh, that's why you have children when you're young, because you have energy. Well, you know, I have a lot of energy now. Guess what? Yeah. I don't have any yeah. responsibility except me and my husband. I don't even have a dog. And so yeah. Yeah. I have a ton of energy. And honestly, I feel uh, when my kids were small, I was exhausted all the mm -hmm. time because you're on 24 mm -hmm. seven and you're tired all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And, but I know that even, um, even when we had little kids and went through each of the stages, we always felt it was important for us to be in some type of marriage group or couples group or marriage ministries. And so we were intentional about constantly finding ways that we could grow in our marriage at each season because you change. And if you, if you don't make time to make your marriage, the most important, we can get in that, that raising kids seasons. And when the kids needs become most important, mm -hmm. then, then as, as, as spouses, we tend to drift apart from each other because we're so ingrained in the schedules of our children. Absolutely. And so to be intentional, whether it's a date night, whether it's a, you know, one, one night where you go over the, just the schedule together. Um, but yet time to carve out times that you see each other, not just as the parent of your children, but your spouse, your life partner, mm -hmm. your, um, you know, your, your best friend. And that's, that's important no matter what season of marriage you're in. You're right. When we have little kids, we're physically exhausted. So how do we carve out that time for each other? Uh, where do we make that time? You know, eating dinner together as a family, really, mm -hmm. really trying to yeah. do that. And maybe even uh, going and meeting your husband for lunch one day. Maybe you just have one toddler at home and everybody else is at school and you could go meet your husband for lunch. So looking for those you know, little times that you can stop and talk. Because as I look back, you know, I mean, I think we were always just making it and we always got along pretty good. My husband's very easygoing. So that's helpful. <laughs> yes. yes. And, he's, and he's helpful too. He's always helpful. Mm -hmm. 
So that, that, um, that works. So tell us if you can think of something, what was something that you and your husband thought you felt like you had to overcome during the years? Maybe, uh, maybe when you were first married or, or um, through the years where you realized that it was kind of bring, tearing you apart or making you move apart rather than come together. Well, I would say in the way we look at schedules has been something that we have continued to grow throughout our marriage. And what I mean by that is typically in a couple, there's one that likes to be on time and one that doesn't consider time as important. Uh And if, yeah. (laughs) And, and when those come together, that is cause for anxiousness and anger and conflict when that butts heads all the time. But on top of it, I'm a scheduler. I like to fill every moment with activity, thus leaving very little margin in our life. And and so, and my husband is like your husband, he's very easygoing, he kind of goes with the flow, but he'll get to a point and say, hold the phone. I just need a night at home because I would schedule something, you know, we'd work all week. I'd schedule some Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday morning church, Sunday afternoon, Sunday. Yeah. It would be just this flow of constant energy, whether it was with the kids as a family, as a couple, however, or whether it was my activities and, and it, we bucked heads a lot. And didn't realize why we were bucking heads. I'll bet we were married. I bet our kids were out of the house by the time we realized, you know, Peg, you don't put margin in your life. You you schedule everything so close together. And it was a realization when we could finally identify it. Because sometimes I think as a couple, you fight over things and you conflict over things or you get uncomfortable or you're always bickering at this certain time and you haven't, you're 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 trying to address the symptoms, but you haven't worked down to where the root of the problem is. And I think it took us, you know, it's 25 years to work down to what's the root of the problem. And, and it, it's in how different we are as we face our time and our schedules, but it's learning that I need to respect his time. And so now, now I, I know, hey, so-and-so has asked us, we're already doing something Friday night, but this has come up for Saturday night. Are you okay if we schedule those two things? So now I, I know to have him a part of the solution and a part of the planning. Communication. And, Communication. Communication again. Letting each other know what's going on and that kind Absolutely. of thing. And sharing now a joint calendar so that whenever anything comes up, he can go on. Oh, she's got this. She's got this. She's got because I'll plan things for myself, but I put them on the calendar so he can see them. And because uh, we all have different capacities of energy. Like you said, you're a high energy person. So we need to understand what is our spouse's capacity for energy, for time, for time with people, you know, that introvert, extrovert, do they need that introvert nurturing time to gain their energy again, so they can go out and be with people. And that's getting to know who your, who your spouse is. 
Well, I'm even like that. So I like to go, go, go. And I like to be with people, but I need that time at home to rest. And it is when we both are tired that we start to react and that most of frustration comes. And it's really not even about the other person. It's literally about us when we're exhausted and we have no energy. And so like you, only in the last years have I started to realize, oh, I need to plan a time to rest and to stop. And, you know, our children need that too. When you have yeah. children and they like the, you know, two-year-olds, they stop, drop and roll whenever they're tired, right? You know, like, you know they're going to let <laughs> you know right. they're tired. <laughs> and so we're really all the same where we have to, um, to stop and rest and communicate, you know, just like you're, you were talking about there. Well, I know for me, like, um, uh, I do coaching with people. And the mm -hmm. first thing I ask people whenever I'm actually privately coaching with them, I say, you know, what brought y'all together? Because mm -hmm. so many times people get so heated in the moment and that, that just starts to go on day after day after day if they're not forgiving or they're not talking it out. And suddenly they're like worlds apart and they're just not happy anymore and they just think it's over but they mm -hmm. literally have forgotten what brought them together yeah. in yeah. the first place. You know, mm -hmm. what brought them together in the first place? Well, I do um, a, a, a private free talk with people and it's called um, Fresh Insights. But Peg, how can people get in touch with you if they want to have you come speak? And uh, oh. what was you, are you called the hat lady? What did you call yourself earlier? Oh, the, the, the church ladies. Church are one, lady. of the, the, one of the most popular uh, messages that I bring to a lot of different groups. But yes, I have a website. It's pegarnold.org. I'm on Facebook as Peg Arnold, the Wonder of Women Ministries. And on Instagram is Arnold Peg. So reach out on any of those or... Uh, on my website, you can email me and reach out and contact me and I will I'll answer anything back. Uh, I also have a blog, Devotions for the Distracted Heart, uh, where and a book, Devotions for the Distracted Heart, that you can get on Amazon or my website. And it's devotions for those of us that get distracted. And it's how God uses distractions in my life to reveal his lessons to me to help me grow. Okay. And you had mentioned something, uh, maybe a little prayer book that will be in the uh, show notes on Absolutely. the Extraordinary Marriage podcast page. Um, go look for Peg's picture there and uh, the connection to her podcast, and you can find it in the show notes. And it's, what was that, Peg? It was a little prayer And then it's, it's a prayer workbook, Praying Without Ceasing. And so if you get a copy of that prayer workbook, then you'll start receiving my monthly devotions. I only send out a devotion once a month, and you'll receive those in your email. So that would be like you get the freebie. And what I give in that prayer book are ways to integrate prayer, like First Thessalonians 5, where it says to pray unceasingly. So it gives you all these different ways of prayer prompts or praying the scriptures or using an acronym to pray or all these different ideas on how to integrate prayer during your day. 
Awesome. And you know, for people who want better things in their life, you have to reach for those things. If you want more energy, you got to hang around positive people. If you want more laughter, you got to hang around people who laugh a lot and enjoy life. And sooner or later, it'll catch on. Just like if you hang around negative people, that'll catch on too. We don't want that too. This like uh, absolutely cooties. We don't want negativity, right? We want positivity. Thank you, Peg, for being my guest today. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really am honored to be here with you. And, and I hope our friends out there gained a little bit of insight to their own relationship and ways that they can grow closer to each other. Awesome. Thank you. If you've been encouraged today, please hit subscribe and help me spread the word by sharing with your friends. You'll find show notes and how you can connect with today's guest at TheExtraordinaryMarriage.com. Get ready to uncover the best kept secrets of happy, healthy marriages and gain the power of understanding how you and your spouse think, act, and respond differently. Learn more about the unique communication secrets for marriage at TheExtraordinaryMarriage.com. This is your host, Connie Durham, and I'll see you next week.